Herbal Essences is on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. We all know that winter can leave our hair feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and hemp shampoo and conditioner and argan oil and aloe hair mist work together to hydrate and moisturize hair for fantastic frizz control. Not to mention, Herbal Essence's sustainably harvest potent aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. Look for the Herbal Essence's potent aloe collections green bottles at food and drugstores or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Hey everyone, before we dive into this conversation, I just wanted to let you know that there is a little bit of glitchiness happening on our caller's end. And despite the sounds, I hope you're able to still enjoy our really powerful and meaningful conversation. I just wanted to give you a heads up about that as you're listening. The second is in the episode notes, you'll find a link to Tara's new app that is centered around mindfulness and meditation. She's offering the Hey Girl podcast listeners one month free. So please take advantage of that offer. The app is pretty amazing and um, I think you'll enjoy it. So enough of me. Let's dive into this conversation with Tara. Take care. Hi, I'm Alex L and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hi Tara. It's so nice to have you on the show today. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, actually just soaking up some sunshine in my backyard. I am coming out of the flu. So it's been a rough couple of days, but it's warm in Denver, Colorado. Unexpectedly, sometimes we get these little pockets of sunshine. So I'm just trying to, like a human being, (laughs) soak up some sun. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I'm sorry you're not feeling that well, but thank you for making time to be with me today. I am honored. I'm so glad we randomly connected the way we did. I am am very excited to dive into our conversation. But before we do, please let the Hey Girl listeners know who you are and what you do. I'm Tara LaRock. And uh, my background, I'm a child, family and school psychologist. And as a creative outlet, I started taking pictures, learning photography when I was pregnant with my first daughter back in 2015. And somehow fell into the whole motherhood blogging experience. I would post to social media. And when my captions were getting a little bit too long, I had some push from some friends that said, I think you need a blog because I love, love writing. It's most favorite things to do. So I started a blog back in, I think it was the spring of 2015. And through that, it was just this really neat path to blend my background in psychology and the love that I have for mental health and wellness. And then motherhood, it, it just took a turn um, back in 2015, which I'm excited to share more about. But now I blended the two avenues of my careers and I started a maternal wellness company called Mindful Mamas. And that's what I do. I run full time now. That is 
all phenomenal. I just want to give the Hey Girl listeners some background on how I connected with you because you're kind of the first person who I didn't know personally to be on the show in this way. So first, I gave you a phone call a couple, a few weeks ago now because you were on my newsletter call list. And when we connected, it just felt like divine timing. I think you said the app had launched the day I called and you were like in the throes of getting things together. And I want to talk a little bit more about like this app and also what made you sign up for the, you know, the newsletter <laughs> call? Oh like, my God. All, like divine alignment. Serious. It was crazy. I mean, I have, you know, like I said, I'm a writer myself and that's mm-hmm. one of the ways that I, I get kind of my creative flow going. It's how I process things. It's, it's always been a coping skill that I've used throughout my whole life. And so when I found you on social media, you know, I just kind of admired you from afar and I don't even know how I got the the memo that you could sign up for these community calls but I was like yeah right she's not gonna call me but I really like her and it would be incredible to connect so I kind of just on a whim I think it was one night I was up with my son nursing and I I just I went for it I was like here's my name here's my number and then when you called me yeah my app so I am developing a mindfulness and self-care app for moms and moms-to-be. And we had just gone live for pre-order. So it was, like you said, divine timing. Like somebody that I just felt, you're just so motherly. You're so matronly. Like you just take care of the world through your words and and you're so vulnerable. And like, that's really what we're building our company off of is vulnerability and just getting, just getting like-minded women together to know that we're not alone in our struggles and we're not alone in our joy and Mm -hmm. that we're here for each other. And so when you call me that day I mean I kind of gasped my whole team was um my whole team was uh on slack that day and I told them that you had called me and they were freaking out it was a pretty big explosion on slack I think what really kind of made me want to know more about you is your vulnerability. And as we were having our community call and our check-in, you know, you mentioned you were a psychologist and also a postpartum depression survivor. So I want to talk about that part of your life and how the Mindful Mamas app came to be through your survival through postpartum depression. Yeah, well, thank you for, you know, calling me a a survivor. I feel like it took me a little while to even claim that for myself Mm -hmm. because when I was in it, I didn't feel like I was surviving. (laughs) Like I felt like, you know, there's people that say like, oh, you're so brave. You're so brave. And at the time, I think when you're going through such a hardship, you just get through it because you have to. Like there's no other way to get over it than to go through it. And so I really now embrace that part of me and of my identity. I am a survivor. Like I like to think that, hell yeah, I did that. And I came over the other side and now I have made it my life mission to change the narrative around the way that we take care of mothers. Like we got to mother our mothers a hell of a lot better than we do these days. And so for me, you know, being a psychologist and being in mental health, I had gone to school for nine years to study what I did. And so then to be so blindsided that it happened to me, this really humbling experience because I had this privileged mindset like, oh, I'm above mental health or it can't happen to me because I have all the tools, like I know everything there is to know. And I think, you know, for me, when it 
happened, I realized that mental health really doesn't have a face. It doesn't have an identity and it's not a one size fit all solution. It just really took my family kind of by surprise. And the more that I started talking about it, the more that I realized I was definitely not alone in my experience. And I had felt like society had really failed me if I, you know, felt so equipped to and trained, clinically trained to help other people navigate really stressful things in their life, like anxiety and depression and trauma. But if I couldn't even take care of myself, I just felt like the biggest fraud. You know, I didn't belong where I was in, in my clinical work. How did you reach into your emotional tool bag, toolbox, whatever you want to call it, to heal and to start taking the steps to tackle the postpartum depression or take it bite by bite? What was that like for you as you navigated that? And when did it really hit you? Was it after your son or your daughter? So it was my daughter. So it didn't onset right away. I mean, I think that I had some preliminary, like anxious feelings, anxious thoughts right when my daughter was born. Of course, like being a new mom is such a steep learning curve. I felt though like I could manage it. Like I just, you know, would have anxious thoughts and be really scared. Like, am am I doing this right? Like, is the baby okay? Am I like, is my husband okay? Like those insecurities that come with new parenthood. It was so hard for me to separate out the experiences that I was having as a new mom with the trauma of the students and the families that I was serving. Postpartum depression didn't really onset until I went back to work and I was only sleeping a couple hours a day and then required to be a professional and to deal with some really serious situations. And to be able to untangle the stress of being a new mom with a clinical practice that I was surrounding myself with was so challenging. And that's really where it took a turn for the worse. I didn't only have postpartum depression, but I had OCD, which OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. And a lot of times people think that it is obsessive hand washing or the counting or those ritual type behaviors that you can observe. But actually, sometimes OCD is very internal and you'll get stuck in like a thought process. So for me, it was, I was really scared that I was going to hurt myself or my baby. I would have these really dark, intrusive thoughts about, you know, falling down the stairs or I'd be cooking dinner and just have a really awful thought about like the knife that I was using. And it would send my body into just this physiological like fight or flight just kind of battle like I'm in war type mode where it'd be really scary and I'd get heart palpitations and I'd start sweating and I'd panic and I would tell myself like don't think those things like only a really sick person or a really messed up person would think those things and I would pray to take the thoughts away I would be a better human and so like my compulsions were very much inward where I would be doing a lot of self-talk to try to get myself out of those thoughts which actually perpetuated them. It was fascinating. And for me to learn how to love my brain was probably the scariest, but the most pivotal turning points in my healing. And I did that through mindfulness and meditation.
Herbal Essences believes in plant-based beauty. Their potent aloe collections are sulfate-free and paraben-free and instead infused with real botanicals with the indulgent scents you know and love. They're on a mission to bring the positive power of plants to keep hair beautiful and healthy with products you'll love using. We all know that winter can leave our curls feeling super dry. Herbal Essences' potent aloe and mango shampoo, conditioner, and curl cream work together to hydrate for moisturized, defined, and long-lasting curls. Herbal Essences Sustainably Harvest Potent Aloe is uniquely certified by the plant experts at the Royal Botanic Gardens Q, and it provides extra moisture for your hair. These products are not only free from sulfates, parabens, and dyes, and certified PETA cruelty-free, but they are also full of naturally derived ingredients for healthier, moisturized hair. Sound intriguing? Look for the Herbal Essences Potent Aloe Collections Green Bottle at food, drugstores, or mass retailers near you, or you can visit herbalessences.com to learn more. Wow, that is so, I just got chills listening to you talk about that because so many people, like we don't talk about this. We don't talk about the heaviness, the hard stuff, the scary things that we think about. And who knew that that was considered OCD, you know? Like I immediately thought about hand washing and counting and, you know, the young guy I went to school with years ago, he had outward presenting OCD. So he was doing the things that you listed. I had no idea it was compulsive thoughts and scary thoughts too. Oh yeah, no, I mean, it took me by surprise too. Like I had studied OCD in school and I think that we just kind of brushed over more of those like anxiety and it's this want and this need to try to your mind and your brain off of whatever is really scaring you. And Mm -hmm. so for me, like I just felt like I was turning into this crazy person where I couldn't shake the feeling that I was going to hurt myself or I was going to hurt my daughter. And a lot of times I think there are misconceptions that you only have postpartum depression if you have those thoughts. But Mm. really there is such a host of ways that mental health can present and it's so unique to each individual. And so I always encourage women to share if they feel supported enough or to see what kind of support comes to them when they actually do open up. Because like I said, mental health is not this one size fits all in my experience. But if I can make one other woman feel a little less alone and like, oh my gosh, yeah, me too. I had that same thing. And I thought I was going crazy. Like, thank you. Like that is really why I feel like humans were put on this earth is to link arms and to serve each other because we're not meant to do this alone. We can't, we can't, we can't do this alone. That's a fact. That is an absolute fact. And to circle back to you finding mindfulness through your postpartum depression, do you remember the first time you got on the mat or your meditation cushion or wherever you were in your seat and decided, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to see how it changes my life. Do you remember that instance? Uh, I do. I do. Like, honestly, I remember it as vividly as the day my children were born because it was such a formative experience in my life. I was still practicing as a child family school psychologist and I got an email and it was, you know, you have to take 
professional development units to keep up your license. And one came through on mindfulness and meditation. And a lot of the times when you take professional development units, it's all about learning tools and techniques to bring to the people that you're serving and and you're helping. But this one was different. It was like, this is mindfulness and meditation. It was a 10-week intensive course for caregivers. And it was to help prevent burnout and to help give caregivers in the caregiving world. So whether you are a nurse or a teacher or a psychologist or whatever helping role you were in, you had some self-care to fall back on and to use to help you be the best practitioner you could be. And right away, I remember seeing that. And at this point, I must have been about eight months postpartum with my first daughter. And just something in me said, I have to do this. Like this exactly what I need to do. And I was terrified because I mean, (laughs) even before I had my kid, like I'd be in yoga class. And you know, at the end of yoga, they have you lay down like in Shavasana where you're laying with your legs out and your arms out and right. they say things like, okay, still your mind. Mm. All right. My mind never still. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I all of a sudden, I felt like that was my cue to then make my to-do list and my grocery list. And, oh, did I turn off my straightener? Yeah, I turned off my straightener. And, you know, what am I going to do this weekend? And then I would just be so caught up in my busy mind that I would then look around at other people and be like, oh, man, I don't get it. Like, how could that woman look so zen? She's just like, you know, obviously thinking about nothing. And so I had this whole misconception that mindfulness meant that you had to stop your thoughts. That mindfulness actually doesn't stop your thoughts. It just helps you identify and to nurture and to understand your thoughts in a way that see your thoughts for what they are and not Mm. attach any story to them, not have to believe them as the truth. So for me, that was life-changing, right? Because I had these unwanted thoughts that I adopted as my truth. And I thought, well, if I'm thinking this, I must be this person. And that was so far from the truth. And so mindfulness for me, it wasn't even a practice that just helped with my overall well-being. It saved my life. It gave me the awareness to be able to kind of peel back that layer of depression and peel back those anxious thoughts and see my heart and my life shine in a way that I hadn't seen in so many months. And it was that awareness that woke me up to the blessing that really was my life. Like I had this beautiful daughter and I had this husband and I had this life and I was here and I just knew that I couldn't keep going on the way that I was. And I remember there was a point in the mindfulness practice where we went around and we shared after the 10 weeks, like, what did this course do for you? And I just started sobbing. And I said to my colleagues, I said, this practice finally woke me up that I can't keep doing what I'm doing and I can't keep doing this alone and I need more help. And it was from that class that I made my first therapy appointment. It was from that class that I started, you know, talking about it more publicly and authentically and sharing about my experience. I mean, it got to the point where my friends were like, okay, Tara, like enough about mindfulness. We know you love it, but like, can we talk about something else (laughs) for a change? But I just became because to give yourself that birthright to love your mind just like it is Mm. like your body and your life and I was missing that and I didn't even know it at the time (laughs) 
So fast forward to you developing this app and this community that you've developed from sharing your story and from being vulnerable and standing in your truth without shame or guilt. What has it taught you about bringing this app to the world, your offerings, your writing, your story to the world about community? And what do you want your offerings to give the people that use it? I feel like I sit and I write and I journal on this all the time because this is so much bigger than me. Like I feel like, you know, my team has been curated and very thoughtfully picked out and we are just a powerhouse team and have poured so much love and so much research back tools and techniques into bringing this app to market. And we like to think of it as a virtual sanctuary where you just open it up and you already feel like you can take a breath a little bit deeper. You already feel like there's something on the other side that's holding what you can no longer hold or helping you to expose the beauty and the joy and just the blessing that comes with being a mama and a woman in this world. And so so for me, I feel like once the app is live on the App Store, which it'll be on March 19th, it's like right around the corner and we're doing pre-orders now. And it's so exciting to see women say yes to this and yes to a different way of doing motherhood. I just feel like I don't have to hold it anymore. Like I can just give it out into the world and then it's the world's gift and it's going to be the women that use it. It's going to be their feedback and their stories and their wants and needs that is going to continue to develop this into the most beautiful offering that I know that it can be. I just think, you know, when we decided to do Mindful Mamas, we looked on the market and we felt like there was this narrative shift that had to happen from what do we want to buy to be good mothers to how do we want to be in motherhood? I mean, you mm. just think about like the baby registry culture and how overwhelming that is for a new mom. You need all this stuff. Oh my gosh, like the learning curve to even use all that stuff. And of course, everybody has their favorite baby products. And there's been some incredible brands that I attribute the beginning of my motherhood journey to being like the best possible experience with like that one device or that one wrap that I use that I absolutely love. But I felt like no one talked to me about how I wanted to be in motherhood. And that's where we're really trying to shift is we have to talk about what is going to help us in the middle of the night when our baby is up and we have a meeting the next day, or we have to have a difficult conversation with our teenager. And we didn't want to build something that only supported moms in one phase of motherhood. We really feel like motherhood is a developmental stage called matrescence. And just like you would give a toddler something different to meet their development needs, you know, an adolescent something different, like we felt like each stage of motherhood, whether you're trying to conceive or you're experiencing fertility, or I mean, like you, you have three babies, right? In three different phases of life. You have a, I do. You have a baby and then you have older girls, right? Correct? I have a five-month-old, a two-year-old, and a 12-year-old. Yeah. Okay. So you got the baby, you got the toddler, and then you, you know, you have the, the preteen. The, the preteen. And <laughs> yep. so we made our app where when you onboard into the experience, you share about how old your children are. And then we offer up personalized catered content. So you can go in and get something for your preteen that might be totally different than what you need for your baby. And mm. you would have free motherhood stages that you could pick from. And of course, we have a host of all 
of a lot of other topics that speak to the collective mother is what we like to call it. Mm. But um, we really just didn't want the community to feel a drop off. Like we want to grow with you. And that's what community is about, right? It's entering into a space where you're curious or you feel a pull toward and then it's becoming and evolving and discovering yourself in new ways every single time you show up to that community. And I think you have done a beautiful job of that as well. And I have to say, like, when we think about the times that we wrote our content, like we tried to channel you, like, what would Alex say? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And this is so needed. And I love that you talked about the collective mother and how people can, how women can come together and truly try to figure out what their baby needs, but also what they need. It just sounds like a hub for care and healing of women. And that is so important. You know, it's super taboo to talk about mental health, it seems. Even still, even in this day and age of self-care and mindfulness, folks are still scared to say, hey, I'm not doing good. I just asked a friend of mine, hey, how are you feeling today? And she goes, I'm terrible, but thanks for asking. And those are the type of relationships we need to have with one another where we can say, yo, things are just really sucky today. And Mm -hmm. I just need you to send me some love or I need a phone call or can we go out and get a cup of coffee and just share space? And I think the digital world has helped us folks who are using the platform to get our healing advocacy see across, right? To be able to take it off the internet and to get in person. Like your app is going to get people connected in so many ways where they can probably connect in real time, in real life and share these intimate and tender things and parts of themselves. And that is what we need. And I am so happy to be in touch with you and that we were able to have that conversation because this is magic right here. This is true magic. Thank you. And you know, like I, it still feels so surreal because when I kept having this idea for Mindful Mamas and I would talk to my husband about it and I would talk to my friends and I had about 120 women kind of do this beta test version on this really clunky piece of technology just to see if I was on to something or if it was something that would like women would actually really want. You know, I've I've drained my savings account for this. I've like put so much into this because I just believe in it. I believe in the practice of mindfulness and self-care and not making it about one more thing we have to add on to our to-do list, but really teaching women, how do I do everyday mindfulness in the world that I'm already in to get in those sips of self-care so I don't feel so depleted at the end of the day? And that was really important for me because I think, you know, when people hear mindfulness and meditation, they're like, oh, I don't have 20 minutes to just sit there. Like, I just don't. And so we've really tried to make an experiential app where if you have 60 seconds or you have 10 minutes, there's something in there for you that's going to serve you and that's going to give you like you said, kind of that virtual hug or that pep talk or just that space that you need to put something there because you can't hold it anymore. The stress is too much or the sadness is too great or you're scared or you're fearful or you're so joyful. You're just beaming and you want to help make that shine even brighter that day. Like that's what I'm just so excited for is to see how women are going to adopt this and say like, hell yeah, I deserve this. And then watch as their children observe what they're doing. I think that's probably one of the coolest things that has happened out of my own mindfulness practice 
five. My daughter is four years old and she navigates emotions like a boss. <laughs> like, I'm just like, who are you? You're just like this little guru. I mean, some of the things that she says or she does, it's just so insightful and so incredibly inspiring. And I just like beam because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I taught her that. And it doesn't take very long. You know, I was just thinking about an experience that I had that was difficult with her. And I mean, I know you can relate to this, but you know, when kids get like super stiff when they have to go in their car seat, they're like, oh yeah, you know, like <laughs> back arching and it's like wrangling a crocodile. You're like, get in your car seat. And, uh, you know, I had one of those moments, like I was sweating. I was just like, oh my God gosh, like children are so strong. I can't even get them in the dang car seat. And I finally <laughs> did. And, you know, we were in a hurry and I, I got in the driver's seat. My daughter's like, well, you were in a hurry. Aren't you going to turn the car on? And I said, no, honey, like I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to look out the window and I'm going to find three <laughs> beautiful things that are pretty right now because mommy mm-hmm. needs a minute. And mm-hmm. just modeling that for her, I see her like she's just a little sponge and she's soaking it up. And that's what like I love about mindfulness is that it permeates to your, your partners and your friends and, and your children. And I just imagine a, a mindful world and, and we're going to get there. Like we're totally going to get there. And I think it really does start with the mom. Thanks for listening to the show today. Please rate, subscribe and review. Also, feel free to share with a friend. We love having our community grow. Music is by DC's own Kokai. The Hey Girl podcast is produced by Wayne Bertram and me, Alex L.